Good oral health is about more than just brushing and flossing your teeth. Dental disease is 100% preventable and it starts at home with you. Yep, you heard me right. Cavities are a disease and not something our children should just get. Your mouth is a window into your body and it has an effect on your speech, breathing, chewing, heart health, so much more. And we're not listening to it. Come along with me on this journey and I'll give you a whole new perspective of the importance of taking care of your mouth and the long-term effects it has not only on your oral health, but also your overall systemic health. On this podcast, we'll bring you a mixture of professionals, experts in the field that will give you advice and action steps you can take with your kids in different situations. We're also going to have moms, dads, caregivers, just like you, having the same struggles that you are because together we can make a difference and help keep our kids healthy because a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a healthy life. And it all starts with you. National Children's Dental Health Month began as a one-day event in Cleveland, Ohio on February 3rd, 1941. The American Dental Association held the first national observance of Children's Dental Health Day on February 8th, 1949. This single-day observance became a week-long event in 1955. And in 1981, the program extended to a month-long observance for the month of February, known as National Children's Dental Health Month. It was created to raise awareness about the importance of oral health. National Children's Dental Health Month gives you materials, and the American Dental Association has reached millions of people across the country. Good habits at an early age and scheduling regular dental visits help children get a good start for a lifetime of healthy teeth and gums. We all know dental health is more than just about brushing and flossing, and it starts with parents' habits and beliefs. Dental care to this belief remains the most frequently unmet health need among children. Baby teeth are vulnerable to decay as soon as they erupt into the mouth. We've been sure, be sure to brush your child's teeth two minutes twice a day. Floss as soon as the teeth are touching, but the most important thing is proper oral hygiene and tooth decay can be prevented and reversed. But we now know it's much more than just brushing and flossing and visiting your dentist. It's about pH, tongue posture, proper form, function, air airway, breathing, feeding, chewing, and swallowing. I know parents with special needs, children face special challenges and their children have a higher risk of developing oral health conditions. According to the study, 81% of children with special health care needs require some type of preventive dental care or airway intervention. I started about 20 years ago to raise awareness to fight tooth decay, which is the most preventable chronic infectious disease among children, more common than asthma and childhood obesity. In fact, about half the children in the U.S. are affected by tooth decay by the time they enter school. When I worked for a mobile dentist, I saw millions of hours that were lost due to dental health problems firsthand. I did not know where my passion of my fight against tooth decay was going to lead me. But what I did learn quickly is that tooth decay and dental disease have more to do with proper airway and breathing and diet than we knew. Breathing is the most important thing we can do. We can live three weeks without food, days without water and sleep, but only a few minutes without oxygen. Even though we know the importance of breathing, it's not emphasized. One, we don't talk about when we talk about breathing healthy or even when we look at our kids. Our kids have to have a dental visit before they enter kindergarten and they look at their eyes, but we don't check our airway and how are they breathing. Mouth breathing is a hidden pandemic. Research shows 50% of children breathe through their mouth. We don't even give it a thought if our kids have their lip apart or their mouth open, but it's really important parents start looking at how their parents breathe. What does their mouth look like? Form follows function, so it impacts how their jaws and face grow and develop. 
tongue up, lip sealed, nasal breathing, and correct swallowing will cause optimal facial balance and muscle tone. Chronic mouth breathing is a myofunctional disorder. It is connected to crooked teeth, bedwetting, picky eating, chewing, swallowing, speech, sleep, and behavioral issues. Parents are not taught to connect the dots and identify mouth breathing as a root cause of other issues that their child might be exhibiting. What happens is that those symptoms are treated individually, not as a whole, not seen as a root cause of all the things that the child might be experiencing or even thinking that they might all go together. In school, behavior and inability to focus Parents are shocked to find out it's connected to mouth breathing, or they don't even believe it's true, and they look at me like I'm crazy when I talk about it. Babies are born as nasal breathers. We can't even breathe through our mouth until the age of three months. Our nose warms, humidifies, filters the air we breathe, and gives us nitric oxide CO2 exchange. Nitric oxide production is essential for our body, for overall health, because it allows the oxygen to get to the blood and carry the nutrients to other parts of our body effectively and efficiently. Without nitric oxide, we can't survive and function. And so that's why a lot of people are struggling with chronic diseases or chronic sleep apnea. We need the oxygen that nitric oxide provides and getting rid of the carbon dioxide and balancing all that in our body. I struggled as a mom to find answers with my child. Heck, I struggled to find answers even before I was a mom just to get pregnant and stay pregnant. I had eight miscarriages and my experience took me on a journey and a path to Eastern medicine and alternative methods, looking at the root cause rather than accepting and treating just the symptoms or being told, no, there's nothing I can do about it. A lot of times the answer was no for me. And this is common, but common is not normal. It took me several doctors to find one that could help me, could help me get pregnant and following my gut and be my own healthcare advocate and not accepting, no, this is normal. I just wish it didn't take me over 10 years to find these answers. But my hope is that the path that I went down, that God put me on, was that so I could go this journey to learn others. And with the knowledge that I have in helping myself and my family, I can shorten your journey, save you time from the pain and expense of me having to learn the hard way. You won't have to go through this. Kids don't come with handbooks. And if they did, we probably wouldn't be able to lift it or read it because they'd have so much information, it'd be too heavy to carry. So we do need to break things down into smaller parts. I get it. But treating signs and symptoms and things separately isn't helping us. With a lot of things going on in the world, they're saying the riches are in the niches when they're talking about educating people. But we have to put the whole picture and puzzle back together and understand how our body works as a whole, as a unit. One system affects the other. One system is connected. You have a respiratory system. You have the digestive system. You have the reproductive system. All of these systems are connected together. Believe it or not, everything that I've experienced and that I've seen in others and my patients, I truly believe health starts with your mouth and your nose. Your mouth is a window into your body. It gives you warning symptoms. It gives you warning signs and symptoms. Think about it. Our lives begin and end with a breath. So wouldn't it make sense? that we look at how we're breathing when we start talking about being healthy. Being a dental hygienist and now a myofunctional therapist, I see the direct correlation that mouth breathing has not only on your oral cavity, dental disease, but the rest of your body. I help people retrain the muscles of their face and their tongue, and I see how quickly it can make a difference. I also see how it can take more than one provider to get everything working together again if we've let it get too far and out of control because we didn't address these issues when we were younger or our kids were younger or multiple issues soon enough, or we weren't even looking for them in our kids. They weren't looked at when I was a kid. 
Mouth breathing dries out your mouth, reduces your saliva, which then affects your gut health, cavities, digestion. Mouth breathing is when people can't breathe through their nose. So they take an ear through their mouth. Mouth breathing can cause gut and sleep issues and disorders that affect the rest of your life. When you suck air in through your mouth, it goes into your gut in areas that it's not meant to go in. You're not getting that CO2 nitric oxide exchange. When people take air in their mouth and not their noses, they might break up with dry mouth, sore throat, drool on their pillow. But mouth breathing causes more problems than just dry mouth and soggy pillows. It can cause sleep disorders. It can change behaviors. It can change the structure of your faces, how you grow and develop, what you look like. Most people develop mouth breathing as a very young child. I did. Potentially setting the stage for lifelong problems. Healthcare providers estimate between 10 and 25% of children are mouth breathers. So what causes mouth breathing? It happens when you can't breathe through your nose, like I said earlier, but it can be from enlarged tonsils, enlarged adenoids. Your adenoids are glands that look like small lumps of tissue above the roof of your mouth, behind your nose. Tonsils are down your throat. Tonsils and adenoids protect you from bacteria and viruses when you breathe in. Sometimes adenoids are swollen and they might block the airway and then you can't breathe, especially in children. Nasal congestion, allergies, colds, chronic sinus, persistent stuffy nose. This can affect breathing through your nose, which then makes you breathe through your mouth. A deviated septum. If the cartilage in your nose is deviated to one side or the other, it can block your nose on one side or the other. You could have polyps. You could have problems with your turbinates. Turbinates are important because the air has to go through the turbinates to give you the nitric oxide CO2 exchange. So you can do a test, a simple test to see, can you breathe through your nose? It's a three minute test. You want to put your lips together, hold your mouth closed and breathe through your nose for three minutes without breathing through your mouth. If you can't breathe through your nose without three minutes, without opening your mouth, you might have one of the things I talked about earlier. So you might want to see an ENT. You can hold your nose to your phone or a mirror and breathe. Does it create condensation? Does it create something on the mirror? You can hold water in your mouth and see, can you breathe with just holding the water in your mouth? Take a drink. Can you smile? Can you breathe through your nose? Can you swallow without the water coming out all over the place? If not, then you might have a myofunctional disorder or your tongue is thrusting forward. So you're pushing the water and the food forward. That's called a tongue thrust. These are all things that are related to mouth breathing and yet you need to get looked at. We can't keep children or adults from breathing through their mouth a lot of times, but what we can do is help make sure that mouth breathing doesn't become a harmful habit. Mouth breathing is a habit that people develop when they can't breathe through their nose, but we're not looking at these things. We're not making sure we can breathe through our nose. Mouth breathing may solve an immediate problem of not getting enough air through your nose, but then it creates other problems long-term and it creates habits that are very hard to break, which can cause sleep disorder breathing, dental problems, facial structural issues. We need to talk to our healthcare providers. We need to look at our children and see, are they mouth breathers? I hope that this is starting to put the whole picture together of how much a problem this is and what happens when you breathe through your mouth. Your mouth and your nose are connected to your overall health. Now that we know what we can do to change these habits and what to look for, we can teach our kids how to breathe better. We can look and figure out what we can do to correct these airway issues. We can teach our kids how to control their breathing. If they control their breathing in a good setting, we're setting them up for a lifetime of positive oral health and health habits. Next week, I interview Dr. Shireen Lim, and we discuss her book, Breathe, Sleep, Thrive. I highly recommend you get a copy of her book and listen to our podcast next week and our YouTube video next week because she connects the dots of the important milestones for healthy airway, development, and breathing, which are real red flags. 
when we're looking at our kids so we can catch these things and help our kids not just survive, but thrive. As always, thanks for watching. And if this was helpful, please share. And if you haven't done so already, like, subscribe, or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this subject. Have a great day. Thank you for listening today. If something you heard made you smile, made you think, empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure you share this with a friend. Write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook page, Dental Hygiene 411, or hit the link in the show notes to join a conversation. Until next time, breathe through your nose and share a smile. After all, they're contagious.